Let's do it here. Another episode of Gaz on the Go. All the sports talk you need from the week in less than 40 minutes. We know your days are busy. We get it moving for you. We'll give them our shout-outs right now. Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of the way to please you. If you're looking for a new vehicle in upstate New York, I don't care where you're listening, from Syracuse to Utica to Geneva to Waterloo, from Rochester, we appreciate all the people who across this podcast are being a part of it. Now's your time to drive out to the Capital Region and shop in Mohawk Honda. So many people hear the same complaint. The inventory is not there. The vehicle is not what I needed. I had this budget planned out, but I got to wait. Don't do that. Mohawk Honda has the best inventory you can find in upstate New York. I know that because my mom just made a purchase all the way from Syracuse, drove to Mohawk Honda. She did her research. She did her pricing. The best deal she could find was in Mohawk Honda. Do the same for yourself. Now work with great people like Greg Johnson, the great charity events they have going on right now to find out more about it. Check out Mohawk Honda's social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and more. Hot Sauce, Jake Doyle is going to be a guest soon on the M&M Across the Board podcast. M&M Across the Board podcast. He's coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun catching up with him. Just texting Cam McKenna, so many great people, Lindsey Harrington, and more. Mohawk Honda, Glenville, Freeman's Bridge Road, where they always go out of their way to please you. And our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. Like I just said about Mohawk Honda, I got my pilot in the driveway. Johnstone Supply and Troy, I'm tight with these guys. My guy Tom, we just did the UAlbany bus trip. Had a lot of fun there. Watch the great dance we'll get to in a second here in the podcast. But the fall is here. You're starting to slowly watch that temperature sink down here across upstate New York. But is your home heated properly? Do you know exactly what's going on with your furnace? Do you know exactly what's going on with your air filters and more? The people at Johnstone Supply and Troy have been helping across decades here in the Capital Region. HVAC needs and more. My guy LeVac bought a ladder last time he was in there. Whatever you need help with, and sometimes it's just as easy as to talk to the experts over the phone to find out exactly what you need. Johnstone Supply and Troy wants to continue to make sure that your house, your home, wherever you live, is ready to go with the colder weather all the way. 6th Avenue in Troy. Give them a call today. Simple and easy as ask a question of, hey, uh, you look like that Virginia reliever. Can I talk to you about what's going on in my home? I got a question. Call me right now. 518-272-5922. 518-272-5922. That is John Stone Supply in Troy helping you get ready for the fall and winter on the way. Now let's do it. Let's talk about some sports here on Goss on the Go. It's rare that on this we open with a game preview. Usually we leave that for the end of the show and we talk about picks. And if you want a more in-depth breakdown, Goss on the Go is quick, 40 minutes and we're in, we're out. If you want a certain game breakdown, college or the NFL, live from the deuce this Saturday, 10.30 to noon, LeVac and Goss breaking down the games. Me and LeVac and I will be talking goes games in depth. If you've got comments, concerns, anything you want, betting tips, all that stuff, that's when we usually get deeper into the breakdown. But I thought about this. And when you're listening to this, it's likely on a Thursday. And if it's past that, you might just want to hit the fast-forward button. And what I'm talking about is that Thursday night Cardinals-Packers, this is poised to be the best NFL game of the season in the regular season. Now, that seems like a really bold, hot take out of the gates here on our final October episode of Goss on the Go. But think about this for a second. What have the best games of the season, the most hyped-up games of the season been? Chiefs-Bills, well, weather was a huge factor in that game, and we really never had the battle we had hoped between Kansas City and Buffalo, not taking anything away from Buffalo, but that's the storyline of that game. Same goes for Patriots-Buccaneers. I was so fired up, and you heard it on these podcasts about that Buccaneer matchup with New England. Tom Brady returns to Foxborough. As much as I could have told you I was going to love that game, 
I wouldn't watch it on replay. There wasn't a magical moment. Maybe the final kick is the thing that's the most interesting, but weather played a factor in that game. We could say Cardinals-Rams, but that's a 17-point blowout. I know there's going to be cross-conference games that are going to be interesting. The Buccaneers have a matchup with the Bills coming up, and we could find other games like that that's AMC versus NFC. But I'm far more focused on in-conference game of the years because then we're talking about seeding. Going into the playoffs, who can be the best team? What team can get knocked off? Those things to me are the most intriguing, and that's why Cardinals-Packers is the most intriguing game we may look back two and a half months from now, and call this the best game of the NFL regular season for some of those reasons. 6-1 and one versus 7-0. and oh, The expanded NFL playoff field, one team gets a bye. Could it be this team? It's very possible. The NFC West we thought would be better, but Seattle, because of the injury from Russell Wilson, they're not the same team. Nobody can play quarterback for the 49ers, so all of a sudden the West, looking like potentially to have three playoff teams, can't play at all. The NFC North? The Lions, how many times are we going to say it? They play hard. Dan Campbell's a good coach. They haven't won a game yet. We'll find out about the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night, and that's another thing I'll be keeping in the back pocket for a podcast later on. And the Bears stink. So we know the Packers are going to run away with this division. So Arizona and Green Bay are fighting for that top spot, and I'm not doubting my Buccaneers, but the Saints beat them twice last season. Look at what we're talking about, too. Murray versus Rodgers. J.J. Watt on the defense is hurt for Arizona, so if you think the storyline is going to be taken away, 99 is not suiting up. DeAndre Hopkins is. Rondell Moore. Yeah, those guys are out on the outside. Christian Kirk. We know the names for Arizona. And that storyline that no one's really talked about this season, besides Kyler Murray being the lead MVP candidate, is what the hell happened to Larry Fitzgerald? Larry Fitzgerald said he was going to take time off and wasn't ready to come back to football. He's now not under contract for Arizona. We all thought it was the Strahan Tony Gonzalez situation where he'd just take training camp off and he'd come back. Anquan Bolden, one of his former teammates, said Fitzgerald wants a championship. Uh-oh. Hey, can I come back to win one, please? And on the Packers' side, the intrigue of Devontae Adams out with COVID. Aaron Rodgers comes back this season. Whether he's going to get traded, whether he's going to retire. If you want to be a Rodgers critic, if Packer people within the organization said it's not all about Aaron Rodgers, tonight is the night to find out. Is Aaron Rodgers that good? Does it even matter who's out on the outside, who's throwing the football to those guys? Yeah, it's Rodgers. It's 12. This could be an Aaron Rodgers. Don't forget about me when we talk about the MVP statement. Oh, I won that award last season. That's what I love about the storyline of Arizona and Green Bay. And we did power rankings, LeVac and I, about the top team, and Arizona sits atop the throne right now. If you were undefeated, you have the bragging right to be the best, and they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite going into this game. This is the best NFL game of the season. And I'm not talking about game-winning kicks and game-winning touchdowns and how and all factors in at the end. We might see a game in Week 18 that changes the playoff course, and it's a more fun, more exciting. When we talk about the best, when we talk about impactful, influential, Course of a franchise changing. Course of a conference changing. That's all here on Thursday night. If you're a Cardinal fan, you look at your division and think, why can't we be the future? We've got a young quarterback, a young head coach. We finally start hitting the stride we thought we could. We got aggressive in free agency. Look what we did. If you're Green Bay, how aggressive do you get the trade deadline? Do you finally say, Rodgers, you know what? What do you want? We are not letting you leave without a Super Bowl championship. We've gotten so many times closed before. We haven't been able to punch it through. Let's go all in one more time. 
franchises changes, conference changes, seeds changes. Thursday night, not a New York team. It's Arizona Green Bay. That Thursday night, the most influential game left on this NFL schedule. Speaking about primetime important games, if you're watching on our YouTube side, we appreciate you. I'm not even changing my graphic because these guys don't need more camera time than they already get. That's the Manning cast. Peyton and Eli talking through Monday Night Football and what goes into it. On Tuesdays, it's the most interesting thing that's talked about on social media. People want to find out the best cuts, the best clips, and I'm finding out more and more football fans are watching the Peyton and Eli broadcast in the actual game. Now, Saints-Seahawks wasn't a good game, but people turned to the Manning cast and found that more entertaining for a better watch with Marshawn Lynch dropping F-bombs and Drew Brees giving a breakdown of the Saints offense and Peyton joking around with Tom Brady saying, hey, Tom, you improved this year. You actually know how many downs you had against the Chicago Bears. So all that's fun, but I think we have to also be critical of what's happening. And this is kind of the... The, I don't call it a curse, but that's the word I'm going to use here, of knowing and working in media some of the things that stand out. It's poorly produced. The sound's not great. They don't know how to toss the commercial. So if you watch it from the eyes of somebody who works as a producer in media, it's poorly produced. You sometimes wonder, like, what were they doing the three weeks that they were off? Did somebody think like, hey, how can we make this better? Maybe we can fix the audio levels. Maybe we can make sure that the guests... They're not talking over each other. Maybe we just tell them, like, hey, this is what your cue is to go to break. That seems like very generic stuff, and it is in media. But those guys aren't doing that. Now, a lot of the stuff I just mentioned, if you watch the Manicast, you may have never noticed any of that stuff. And I've tried to tell that to fellow coworkers, whether it be radio or television, the stuff that we think it's important, like imaging for a station or a promo pick or this great quote. Most people don't care. They don't. You and your job care about the small details, but people just want the meat and potatoes. They want to find out exactly why they're there for that reason and the fluff around that they can do without. Eh, for me. It's hard for me to watch when I have stuff like that happen. It's whatever your job and profession is when small things like that aren't working. It sets you off. But it's about personality on Monday Night Football. People got all over my guy Joe Tessator and Booger McFarland because they tried something different. Booger McFarlane, I like him now because he's good on college stuff. I like his analysis on the studio broadcast. Joe Tessitore is a broadcaster I've looked up to for years, decades plus, with his coverage of college football, his excitement, his energy he brings to a broadcast. But people thought that was too much. Dennis Miller is a comedian trying to bring entertainment to Monday Night Football. People hated it. Can you imagine if Dennis Miller was criticized now with the world of Twitter? How about Tony Kornheiser, one of the most respected journalists in sports broadcasting history? One of the pillars of ESPN, 20-plus years of part of the interruption. Got blasted. Mike Tirico never did any favors for Tony Kornheiser. He was not a comedian. He wasn't an actor. He was a journalist that they wouldn't give love to because he showed a personality. It was entertainment in a broadcast booth for Monday Night Football. But Kornheiser's criticized. Dennis Miller's criticized. Booger and Joe Tessitore are criticized. But now when the Mannings have their own different broadcast, when Payne and Eli say we're doing something different, something fresh, something new, how many years in a row did Payton say he was going to... Oh, he never did. It was the media who always presented the possibility of him being the color guy for Monday Night Football. They said, we're going to do something different. We're going to do this to Monday Night Football. Oh, we love it. Payne and Eli are the best. They're so funny, huh? Wait a second. 
If you were one of those people criticizing all those other things, but now you embrace Painted Eli, why? Is it because ESPN tells you to? Is it because you like the interview guests? I can't figure it out. And that's the issue with the Manicast for me. If we're going to talk about people being entertaining and bringing a new flavor, a new culture to Monday Night Football, they've been trying to do that. Why are we giving the Manning brothers the ultimate throne of the most entertaining people who have ever done? I just don't get it. Maybe I need to soften. Maybe I need to watch more. But if you're into the Manning cast, you got to explain it to me because it's not doing anything for me right now. I'm fine with Greasy and Levy and Lewis Riddick on the other side of it. But the Manning cast, uh, it's, it's not my thing. Maybe watch parties in general aren't my thing. Some Gen Zer is going to explain to me why it's so cool. I'm not buying it right now, the Manning cast. Syracuse and UAlbany. First, the Great Danes. We're talking both college football programs. I was there, as we mentioned earlier, with our pals from Johnstone Supply and Troy, the first Godzilla Media bus trip. And this is, again, added to the list of things I can say in a podcast that I wasn't quite allowed to say in the other radio format. I used to work for the affiliate of UAlbany. I'd have my check signed by UAlbany. At least I'm talking about the hosting and things like that. Uh, the football team's not good. Like, oh, hot take, guys. They're 0-7. They're not good. No, when you saw them in person, I did. They're just as bad. And I'm trying, trying to figure out reasons as to why. Did the CAA catch up? Was the talent of teams like Maine and others across that entire CAA just flat out better? Did they find recruits? I have this theory that FBS recruits of the class of 2023 and 2024 are actually going to be higher level players because of whatever reason, high school, not enough film. Some FCS players are actually FBS players, the higher level, because they just couldn't find it. They didn't have the right scholarships and everything else, so the quality of play looks like it increased fast. UAlbany 2019, best season ever. 2020, COVID. 2021, spring. Season canceled. 2021, fall. Has not won a game yet. And it's hard to watch. Undercuffer, Carino to Mofor, the names you've heard us mention a bunch. Can't get anything going. The freshman, Roy Alexander, on the outside, number 11, looks to be great for the future. But the offensive line's not making any plays. The offense is terrible. The defense tries their best to hold their own. The defense breaks at points, but they're not getting smoked for 35, 42, 49 points a game. It does about as good as it can do. But when you're 0-7, you're not looking at that schedule and thinking you can beat anybody for the rest of the way. That's the tough part about Great Dane football. I wish the crowd was better for you all, but it's a great time. The pink game, you wish more fans are in the stands, and that's the hardest part about Great Dane football right now is that the momentum is there in September. For, for whatever reason it is for Capital Region sports fans, and I'm curious, at Tom Goss, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z, Goss at Media.com, YouTube, leave a comment underneath. Why does the excitement go away? What happens? Is it basketball and hockey season all of a sudden? Is it the cold weather? Why can't the fans continue to come out game after game for the Great Danes to support the team? Casey Stadium is beautiful. I struggle for the Great Dane program, man. I, and Coach Catuso, if you're a critic of his, you could say he's on the hot seat with a defeated season so far. You know he's going to come back for 2022. He's under contract with the team. But this is not what you want to see out of this program going in the complete opposite direction. And I feel for it. Because the momentum was building for this program for something special. 
and it's going the exact opposite direction. I hope this team's able to turn it around. Now, on the FBS side of it, Syracuse football is able to turn it around. They get that huge victory against Virginia Tech, and I say huge because bowl are still on the table. Syracuse fans looking back on the season already and thinking, you know, if they beat Florida State, if they beat Clemson, you're talking about Syracuse is a 6-2, and 7-1 and one team right now. The spot that Wake Forest is in, oh yeah, they must beat Wake Forest too. That Syracuse is going to be talking about as an ACC champion, potential Orange Bowl return since the days of the 90s. But you can't go back and change the score, can't go back and change the clock. Now you got to talk about Boston College coming up this weekend. And this is why it's important. Think about this stat. The ACC has 14 teams in the conference. I'm going to let you think about this. A rare trivia question here on Gods on the Go. How many teams of the 14 do you believe can still be a bowl team this season? 14. How many can still be a bowl team? The answer is 14. Everybody in the ACC is still bowl eligible. They can finish with six-plus victories for the remaining games in their season. So nobody's locked into a bowl game yet. But that's why this game against Boston College is so important. This Boston College game, let's call it what it is. I said it on social media. This is the battle for Fenway Park. Syracuse football has played in bowl games at the, I'll call it the old Citrus Bowl in Orlando, two at the Pinstripe Bowl, the Texas Bowl. You've seen Syracuse go to different spots. Now, the Pinstripe Bowl is likely, you would think, but remember what the Fenway Bowl is. They want to get a Northeast team at the Fenway Bowl for the inaugural game. So think about the ACC right now. Who's the Northeast team that would go? Pitt's got an opportunity to go to the Orange Bowl. Right now, Pitt's favored to win the ACC. All right, who else is in the mix? Rutgers isn't going to qualify. You could talk about Army if they get to six wins, but Army a lot of times plays in the Armed Forces Bowls or bowls that maybe something's more affiliated with the military. So Army might be out. Clemson, they might go to the Pinstripe Bowl so New York can take a bigger market. And by market, I mean by a national base. They like having that big brand name. Clemson football has won national championships. No disrespect to Syracuse, but that might be the thought of the Yankee Stadium crown that day. So if Boston College gets to six-plus victories, you think Boston College is not going to play in Boston for their bowl game? Of course they would. They'd love to have that place packed with Eagle fans. So if Syracuse wins, they'll go to a bowl game that they've never been to before, and that's in very similar fashion to that first pinstripe bowl, the 2010 game against Kansas State. Syracuse could be a part of making history there. Battle for Fenway, and if you're a Syracuse football fan, why not root for the Fenway Park Bowl? Why not root for a December Boston game? Yeah, it's going to be a little cold. It won't be like the games in Florida a few years ago when they took on West Virginia, but something new, something different, and something to look forward to. So that's the new goal for Syracuse football. I wish I could tell you that if this team loses and that team goes down. Right now, only Boston College is below you in the standings. The Eagles have yet to win a game in conference. But that's what this game is about. The spotlight of Sean Tucker and Garrett Trader. And one more time for the Sean Tucker thing. It's never going to stop with me talking about it. Sean Tucker has not been the best running option for Syracuse since Garrett Trader took over. So stop with the nonsense. I know he's over 1,000 yards. But we got to stop with Sean Tucker talking about the Heisman Trophy and the best running back. He's not the best running option on the team anymore. Go look at the stats with Garrett Trader and Sean Tucker. Trader's putting up better numbers. I'm not saying Sean Tucker's bad, but when you're all of a sudden not the best option on your team to run the football, we have to reconsider how you evaluate him across the country. You all but he hasn't won a game. Syracuse is exciting to potentially play in a bowl game that's never happened before. Big weekend for New York football teams that we cover here on Gods on the Go.
in Syracuse basketball fans probably like, guys, the Orange took on pace, man. When are we going to talk about the season? Let's get a season for next week. Hoops fans, if you love college basketball, next week is the week we're going to break down and discuss the expectation, the realistic goals for Syracuse basketball, UAlbany basketball, Siena basketball. So if you love basketball, especially the college basketball ranks, we'll give a more preview to that. We'll look across nationally. So Syracuse fans who wanted some basketball talk in this episode, it's coming next week, our first episode in November. But we will get a little basketball here. I could go Knicks, I could go Nets, I could go to a bunch of different directions. We go back to the top 75 NBA players of all time. There's a lot of stuff. I just want to get this out in the open for this week's. I love the balls. Now I can see someone going on their phone now and just making that drop right there. So I'm not going to repeat what I just said. But I have to admit, I'm a fan of the ball family. I like watching Lonzo Ball play. I like watching... LiAngelo, LaMelo, LaVar. I am entertained by these guys. I can't get enough of them. And I'm not just saying that from the whole angle of they create content for somebody like me as somebody who hosts the podcast. No, I'm talking about them as actual basketball players on the court. When we're talking about this certain time of the end, I know it's less than five games into the season. Chicago's 4-0. The Hornets are 4-1. And Knicks fans, I said this, I think the Knicks are going to have trouble making the playoffs this season because Chicago and Charlotte are so much better. And why are they better? Because of the Ball brothers. Lonzo Ball on that Chicago Bull roster is really good. Zach Levine, we all know him from the dunk contest, but he's had a really nice career out in Chicago. DeMar DeRozan. Remember him? The former Raptor? He's over there. We can continue to run through the team, but go look at it. And Lonzo Ball, everybody used to hate on him about how he couldn't shoot, how he couldn't shoot. He can shoot now. It's not as bad as it used to be. The shot's still not great. But five assists a game, making plays, birthday recently this week, all good things. You flip it over to Charlotte, man. Michael Jordan's been waiting. Kevin Walker's a great player. I loved him. No, I say loved him at UConn. I liked watching him, not against Syracuse so much. But he's really good. But you talk about the youngest ball, right? LaMelo. And it hurts me that people refer to him as Melo over somebody else. 22 and a half points a game. Close to seven assists. Close to six rebounds. He comes out with those like superhero post-game outfits. And that's a half joke, half serious according to the internet. He can pass, he can shoot, he can make plays, he's entertaining. Charlotte's in the mix. I, maybe it's the 90s kid in me that liked the starter jacket from the Hornets that somebody's probably listening to has still. The Hornets are my favorite team to watch. I love watching Hornet basketball. Really, guys, you don't watch Hornet basketball. If you told me right now to flip on a team and had to watch him, I would hope it would be the Hornets. Bridges is one of the best dunkers in the league. Gordon Hayward, remember his time at Butler? I like them both. Look, there's this new era coming in basketball. And I fully admit, and you know this, listen to the podcast long enough. I love Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, guys of the past through the players I grew up with from middle school all the way till now. Those are the guys' careers I've followed. But the wave is coming, and it's already started. You're waiting for these guys to get washed up to shore and move on to the next phase of their career like the Chris Boshes and Dwayne Wades. you got to find somebody new. And whether it's my guy Zion or the Ball Brothers or whoever might be the next one in line to take over and be great, these two are pacing for that. 
Now we'll find out if the third ball brother ever has an impact like his other brothers. Maybe he'll just be a guy who bounces around the NBA and that's nothing to sneeze at. But are we going to get more LeVar ball at one point again? Are we going to say that he might have been right? Even though big baller brand never lived up to the hype, his sons actually did. Tied up in the World Series. One game apiece. Atlanta gets game one. Houston gets game two. But like any other great sports series, from college to high school to the professional ranks, what makes these series special are those moments, those hits, those things we look back at a year, five years, ten years from now and say, oh, that series. Oh, that player. Oh, that game. I was thinking about the Giants the Cardinals and the Rangers and the Red Sox and the Yankees and the people that have been a part of those plays and games and everything else that have become historic. Cubs, of course, too. Did we already have that moment happen? Have we almost underappreciated? Was it the spot of the game? Was it too early in the series what happened with Charlie Morton? Charlie Morton broke his leg and finished before eventually getting taken out. We've seen the Kurt Schilling sock game. Kurt Gibson hitting a home run. And what's weird in 2021 is that it's either rush to judgment or underplaying. It's either the legacy cannot be defined that fast or we ignore it because we don't want to be that person who gets caught up in the moment. Really difficult to say how great something is so fast because we almost need time to let it, oh, remember that from last year? Oh, remember that game five years ago when... That glory, that acceptance, that I haven't seen that since moment needs that to build. And sometimes it comes down to how close the series is and how many people care about the teams. Sure, have there have been plays involved the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Cubs that made me not have gotten the attention? Like plays involving the Cardinals and the Rangers and others? Yeah, that might be the bias of how we view those things and how we rank them in our own personal thoughts. But with Morton breaking his leg, why isn't he in the conversation like Kurt Schilling? Kurt Schilling's bloody sock. Yankee fans try to call it catch-up. Kurt Gibson early in that series, limping around the bases and hitting a home run. Is Charlie Morton's broken leg going to be like Kung Fu Panda Pablo Sandoval hitting three home runs in a World Series game and getting lost? Like Babe Ruth, Reggie Jackson, and Pablo Sandoval? There are moments we do and sometimes don't remember. But I hope Morton and the Braves win. So five years from now, we can look back and be like, remember that World Series? The Braves finally broke that curse. They hadn't been back in 20-plus years, and they were the franchise that everyone said couldn't finish the deal, and they finally did. And Ian Anderson's the World Series champ. Hey, remember that Morton guy broke his leg? That would be a really cool way to remember this series. Now, could there be a big hit? Could there be a big play? Could it be redefined the legacy of a series? Yeah, of course. Because if Houston wins, we may never, ever appreciate Charlie Morton, what he did as much. How many times do I have to look back in great moments in sports history and be like, oh, yeah, I get Was it Julian Edelman or Wes Welker who had that great catch in the series? How Were the Rangers one strike away from winning that? I know the Yankees and Red Sox battled with the Boone home run. Didn't the Yankees lose to the Marlins that year? Some of those things get lost in the shuffle of great moments and great plays because if your team doesn't cash in at the end, it just doesn't have that same type of feeling. It doesn't have that same type of legacy. It doesn't have that same type of staying power. Big plays and big games with baseball needs. I'm rooting for the Braves. You've already heard me say it a bunch. 
But now I'm rooting for it so we remember this and have that moment that baseball needs of, oh, a legendary moment, a legendary performance in the biggest stage of them all. Rapid fire here through the fight game. We're talking boxing, MMA, AEW, WWE, Ring of Honor. Quick stuff here, quick hitters. We'll start with boxing first. Muhammad Ali's grandson won. Good job by ESPN right when the fight ended. I like how they promoted it during the game as well. as Clemson Pitt on my app I was watching. Through. They said, the moment this game ends, we're going to go right to the ring with Nico Walsh. And sure enough, Nico Walsh delivers the knockout. The hype is there. Nice job by them. Shakur Stevenson, if you didn't follow him, he's a silver medalist at the 2016 Olympics. He's good. I feel like there should be more hype around it, but unfortunately for me, I put Shakur Stevenson in the same group with Earl Spence and Bud Crawford. You could even put there's another guy, Lomachenko, who ESPN just fires up and hypes up and hypes up. But once they got to fight somebody good, I want to see it. You know, there's a difference between him and Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is fighting Deontay Wilder. Tyson Fury wants to fight Joshua and whoever else is on the way next. I just want these guys to fight somebody good. Shakur Stevenson and Spence and Crawford, these younger smaller fighters i want the power fights and, and maybe i'm a little jealous isn't the right word well maybe it is because we got to see in the past like 40 years ago hearns and hangler and leonard and duran while now it's like all right pacquiao and mayweather had to wait forever to fight these smaller fighters aren't going to do it forever so that's what hurts the sport of boxing even though marketing wise they did it really well uh mma ufc 267s this weekend did you realize that Maybe not because the fights are at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday because it's out in Abu Dhabi. Say what you want about this, but only three American fighters on the card. It might be two by the time the card officially goes live on Saturday. I don't have any interest in the UFC fights this weekend. There's not a big name. There's not a big storyline. There's not an American. And I say American in the sense of sometimes it's the most attached fighters. When you have fighters from across the world and you want to have an international event, that's the key. This is almost a non-American-based event. If you're an American sports fan like I am, this is what the UFC 267 card is not for you. Dana White would argue with that. Maybe MMA reporters, my guy Mike Heck might say I'm wrong. Ariel Hawan. Look at the card. This is not for the American fight fan. It's just not. If it was, it wouldn't be at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. On the WWE side, I love the new NXT. Mandy Rose winning the Women's Championship. If you do not know who Mandy Rose is, take your phone and Google her today. Great stuff over there. Uh, NXT, Braun Breaker, Harlan. It is better now than the past version. You want to have all those old indie guys do their thing? Send them off to AEW. That's exactly what they did. AEW, the Cody Rhodes stuff is fantastic. I cannot wait. The promo he cut Wednesday night. You got Hangman Page in the ring doing comedy, CM Punk and Bobby Fish, Albany's own Bobby Fish kicking the hell out of each other. I like it, man. AEW. I told you a few weeks ago, Tony Khan needs. All right, so we're getting actual stuff out there about AEW, letting the product talk for itself. WWE. Uh, the Becky Lynch Charlotte stuff, if you've not read about that, uh, I don't even want to talk about it yet because allegedly Charlotte's got to do media for some international stuff coming up, but. There looks to be some real-life beef, and wrestling is the best when real-life heat is involved. Check out Charlotte and Becky Lynch. The rumor was that something got botched on a SmackDown, and Charlotte got thrown out of the arena because they were in a screaming match. Give me that for the Rumble or WrestleMania. Don't rush that, WWE. Let that baby burn and give us a big-time title fight in a few weeks. So, WWE, AEW, 
Boxing, UFC, and I said a word that some people might not be familiar with. That's Ring of Honor. Tough news for Ring of Honor if you missed the report. Ring of Honor, let's just for the sake of this conversation, third or fourth best professional wrestling organization across the country. A lot of the stars you know now came from that. They had to report that at the end of the year, December, everybody is getting released. Like everybody on contract is getting released and they're going to reset in the spring of 2022. So you might find some wrestlers you've never heard of before scattered across the WWE and AEW, or they might be out of work. I feel for Ring of Honor because a live event-based promotion during COVID-19, the money that they were being taken away from by nothing that they did wrong, like any other business, they were affected by and couldn't recover. Ring of Honor, type in Ring of Honor match and see some of the names that pop up. But if you're a pro wrestling fan, that hurts to see an organization like that go down. Just like any other professional sports, restaurant, places you like to go to, you don't want to root for that. You don't want to see 18 months basically post-COVID how it's still being affecting businesses. And it shouldn't shock us, but it does. There's the fight game for you. Rapid fire, tons of stuff happening across the world. The professional wrestling and the fight game. Now, picks. Picks, picks, picks. Wagering tips here for the weekend. Unfortunately, 18 and 19 now in the season for college football. Just football picks. No basketball, no baseball, no hockey on this one this week. 18 and 19 on college football picks for this season. But is anybody hotter than NFL picks than me right now, baby? The last three weeks, how about 10 and 3? How about on the season? A beautiful 17 and 10 on the season with our picks here on Gaz on the Go. Now, the Amity is good on the Levant Gosh, we get picked more games, but I'm just giving you winners right now. 17 and 10 and 10 of the last three. 10 and 3 the last couple weeks. That's pretty good. All right, let's do college first. Some of you are going to hate the rationale coming out of the gates for the college picks, but this is a lot of heart picks this week. A lot of heart picks coming for the college picks. Here's the games I'm passing on, and these are the marquee games. I am not bold enough to touch. Michigan, Michigan State, Georgia, Florida, Penn State, Ohio State. I wanted to touch one of those three games. My confidence level is so much lower. Just for fun, just for fun, these don't count as picks, but just for fun, if I was forced to pick some of those marquee games, I would take Michigan, Michigan State under because the defenses are the strengths of those teams. Kenneth Walker did not play well against Indiana. So I'd take the under in that game. I'd take the over in Georgia, Florida because it's a neutral field in Jacksonville. And I think Anthony Richardson might find himself into some plays if Dan Mullen lets him play more. Why is he not playing more? But everyone thinks the Georgia defense, I would play the over in that game. And Penn State, my God, if their quarterback stays healthy against Iowa and they win in nine overtimes, we're talking about an undefeated Nittany Lions team in a whiteout against Ohio State, who in their last four opponents have been 10-21. and 21. I would take Penn State with the points. Again, that's just fun. I'm tossing those picks out there. Those are not my picks. Just if I had to pick them, these are my real picks for the week. Going with my heart. I'm going against Boise State because I love doing it. Every time I love picking against Boise State, it's a name recognition game. It's a line that stinks. Colorado State, could you name any player of the last 10 years on the Colorado State team? You probably can't. But two and a half points Boise State is favored by. Out there on the West Coast, here's the thing with Colorado State. They're actually a really good football team. Again, name recognition. You probably haven't been following Colorado State. Here's some of the games they've lost this season. They barely lost to Iowa, 10-point game. They beat Toledo, who's good at the MAC. They barely lost to Vanderbilt. And last week, they should have beat Utah State. Colorado State wins that game over Boise State. 
doubling up on San Diego State. My Aztecs have been my team this season that continue to cash for me. They're a one-point favorite. The undefeated Aztecs are a one-point favorite. Now, I like the under more in that game. Why do I like the under more? Because if San Diego State gets the football and the lead, they do not want Hayner back on the field for Fresno State, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They will do everything they can to keep him on the sidelines. Give me San Diego State with the points, minus one, and the under in that game because of that same rationale, 44-and-a-half San Diego State. If they get down by 14, Luckily, it's a 10.30 kickoff. I'll know by 11.30 if I won or lost that bet. So under and San Diego State with the points. And one other game, we're going for the undefeateds again. I'm taking SMU. SMU, you want to talk about an underrated team? They're 7-0. Did you realize SMU's undefeated? Maybe not. How about this game against Houston? Houston's really good, 6-1. Houston the favorite. Nah, I'm not buying it. Not buying the Cougs. Not doing it at home. I'll take SMU with Mordecai, their passer. RG3 was giving him love, calling him a top five player in the Heisman Trophy ranks. 29 touchdowns this season. Let him sling it, baby. Maybe a come-from-behind victory game-winning kick from SMU. I like the Stangs in that one. Give me the Mustangs in that one. All right, NFL picks. Here we go. Can we stay hot? All right, first game we like. We're going to take the under... In Chargers-Patriots, why are we taking the under in Chargers-Patriots? Well, it goes kind of back to what we talked about last week. I call these the double red, double green game. So if you're a fantasy football player, Chargers and Patriots, under 49.5 is the number I have listed here. Remember, in games like that, both the Charger and Patriot defense are top five defenses in least amount of points allowed to quarterbacks in fantasy football. So I know that's a really specific stat. But when I see double red with quarterbacks, that means the defenses are going to slow it down. I've seen Mac Jones have some slower games. Give me the under in Patriots Chargers. With that also being said, you know I love that Bronco unders till my eyes bleed. Stopping for this one because... I like the over at 43.5 against Washington and Denver. If you watched that Washington game last week, you know the football team should have been in the end zone multiple times if they stopped getting stopped at the one Heineke. It should have been more points for that team. Also, the Washington defense, as great as everyone thinks it is, they've allowed the most fantasy football points to quarterbacks this season. As bad as Teddy Bridgewater's look, this can be a game where he excels over 43.5 in that game. And then two spreads and like, you already know one of them. Six and one so far this season on my survivor covers. Nobody else cares about that stat except me, but I'm going to continue to roll with it. My survivor play this week is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are a nine and a half point favorite against the Giants. Too much of an overcorrection for as bad as the Chiefs looked against the Titans and as good as the Giants looked. I love the Chiefs and Monday night and Sunday night. It finally ends for the Dallas Cowboys. They do not cover against Minnesota. This is a bad matchup for the Cowboys. Minnesota can still run the football. Mike Zimmer's a good coach. That crowd is awesome. The skull chants and everything else. Minnesota at 3-3 three and three needs this game in the North, especially to figure out where their playoff situation stands across that conference. Dallas doesn't need it as much. And here's the fun part. Two and a half, begging you to take the Cowboys because they're better this season. Minnesota, money line victory. Three of the last four weeks, the underdog has covered on Sunday Night Football. I like it again. 
And Mike McCarthy's coming off a bye week. Is he actually benefiting the team coming off a bye week? Is he actually a good coach? My pal Chet Davis told me no, and I think I bought on that one. Give me Minnesota. So one more recap quickly. Four picks across the board for college. I like San Diego State under, San Diego State to cover, SMU, and Colorado State. And I did some games I passed on that maybe you'll be bold enough to take that I mentioned just a few minutes ago. In the NFL, over Broncos, Washington, under Chargers, New England. I'm taking Minnesota with the points. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs with the points. Hopefully, we continue to cash. Hopefully, you enjoy the weekend. Our final one in October. Happy Halloween. Catch you all again in November.